This is the Epilogue audio experience. But now when I look back, I realize that's the adventure. You know, it's not an adventure unless you're miserable at some point. <laughs> you know, somebody said that. It really makes sense to me. You're studying what other people did with their lives when you're studying for that exam. Someone climbed this mountain. Someone started a scheme that benefited a lot of people, things like that. So I remember sitting mom down and telling her that I have a better idea. I'll do something that other people can study about someday. So what happened then was I got more and more involved in my own practice because I think that's really important for anyone who wants to be a teacher to have a really good, solid practice of their own. You're listening to the 30th episode of the Passion People podcast. This is your fortnightly dose of passion, motivation and inspiration. And I'm your host Naga. I'm really happy you were able to join us to get an insight into the life of people who are following their passion and living their dreams or are on a path to doing that with or without a job. No matter what kind of a person you are or what stage of life you're in, I'm sure you will have some tangible takeaways from our conversation. Hey Ramita, thank you so much for uh, taking time off for the podcast. Can you do a quick intro for our listeners? Yes. Hi everyone, I'm Namita. I'm a yoga teacher and a travel blogger. My blog is called Radically Ever After, where I share my travel and yoga experiences. And I'm really glad to be on this podcast with you guys today to share more of my experiences with everyone. It's our pleasure, Namita. I think uh, a lot of people are going to benefit uh, from your story. Well, I hope so, yeah. And I really enjoyed uh, talking to you yesterday and I hope uh, our listeners will as well. So, uh, you know, I think a good place uh, to start would be, you know, kind of winding back the clock and okay. uh, kind of uh, figuring out where where you were uh, maybe 10, 15 years down the line and how uh, over the years you've you've reached this place where you are currently, right? Like you, now, right now, you're a, you're a traveler, you're a painter, you're, you're a yoga teacher. Yes, somehow. I'm all of these things, <laughs> which I never really planned to be. Uh-huh. I was studying law of all things. Studying really to be a lawyer because that's the plan theoretically when you're doing your LLB as so when I was about 17 is when I began doing the yoga from a book actually which I'd picked up at the Vivekananda Institute and I used to do this half an hour practice from the book and my friends obviously thought I was crazy to do that and eventually I found a yoga class nearby joined it loved it was hooked from the first day and it super transformed me and centered me and gave me everything that i needed at that point because i was going through a tumultuous time at home Mm -hmm. so it really saved me in a lot of ways but i never imagined i'm going to stand there in front of the class one day and be telling people what to do you know breathe this way and work out that way or you know take them through a yoga class i was way too much of an introvert a really shy person so I didn't see myself ever being a yoga teacher. Uh-huh. Yes. So it's just somehow the way things turned out. I'm okay. really glad it turned out that way. So after law, what, what, what happened after law? Did you, did you work for a couple of years and then uh, did yoga happen or uh, talk us through the transition? Oh, yes. It hasn't been very linear. So I graduated from law, had a gold medal, had all wow. this family <laughs> pressure along with the gold medal now that I have to be a lawyer. And I did not want to do that. The gold medal became a monkey on my back. I regretted winning it. And because I was one of the very few people in my family who actually studied. So you can imagine the amount of pressure was on me to pursue this as a career. 
but I didn't see myself being in a law firm. I had done an internship. I realized I'm going to be really depressed and probably turn into a serial killer if I have to be a lawyer. <laughs> so I knew this is just not for me. So I started studying for the UPSC exams because um, mom's in the IRS and she wanted me to do that. And I said, okay, let's give that a shot. So two months, I was studying so much until my brain had to explode at one point. <laughs> and then I decided this is not it. I'm not going to be studying for this exam because you're studying what other people did with their lives when you're studying for that exam. Someone climbed this mountain, someone started a scheme that benefited a lot of people, things like that. So I remember sitting mom down and telling her that I have a better idea. I'll do something that other people can study about someday. So I stopped studying for that exam. And somehow I had this painting bug that had bitten me out of nowhere. I, I don't know what had hit me. It felt like I was possessed. So I started painting literally like a maniac. I would stay up all night and paint. I mean, all these paintings you see mm. right now are things that I made all night. They're so beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Glad <laughs> you think so. And I'm amazed when I look at them now because at 22, without any formal training, not at 22, in fact, sooner than that, around the age of 20, I was making these paintings. And I, in my own naive way, I thought, okay, this can be a career. And eventually, about two years of full-time painting later, I realized that it's not something that gives you a stable paycheck. You never know when your next paycheck is going to be. So I could not plan my life along those lines. One day you sell a painting for maybe half a lakh and the next six months you may not get paid. So you don't know if that pair of jeans you want to buy is expensive or affordable to use. You can't plan <laughs> your life at all that way. So I realized, okay, this is not going to be giving me a stable paycheck. What do I do now? And then I see an ad on Facebook where they say, we're looking for yoga teachers and we will train you and you get to travel the world if you join us. It almost seems too good to be true. And it was too good to be true. <laughs> I mean, I guess it was the kind of mistake that I was bound to make given how naive I was back then. So I went in, it was a yoga company. Things were good for the first few months. It felt really good to be to be put up in this apartment with other yoga teachers and you know, a bunch of young people together, but all learning and laughing together the whole day. And for me, it was very refreshing to have a happy atmosphere at home. So that already, I was really sold on that. And then the fact that, you know, I get to teach yoga and get paid for it, a stable paycheck. Mm -hmm. As against like, painting, which exactly, was completely erratic. against uh, the erratic schedule of the painting. So this felt a lot more predictable and this felt like the closest I'll ever get to a regular job. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, I have found it. This is my thing. I'm just going to be doing this. But as a lot of uh, people might know in the yoga world, there are a lot of fake gurus out there. And what is called a yoga company is often a cult. So that's what happened with this one. It turned out to be a cult as I found out eventually. So it took me a couple of years to really find that out and to really reckon with that, to face that and say, okay, I want out. And also how does one get out. differentiate a regular, a, a good bunch of people oh. uh, with a specific purpose? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much, right? Well, the uh, red flags are all there from day one if you're really alert and if you're really independent-minded in your thinking. But if you're 24 and you have, you know, some recent traumas in your locking in your system, 
and you're just naive and you're looking for a way to just get out of the house and do your own thing a lot of these things can combine and a cult can suddenly look like a decent place to you mm-hmm. until eventually your eyes open to the fact that no this is a very abusive system exploitative a lot of nonsense is going on here not regulated so once you realize that then again there's a challenge of how do you get out of there because a cult yeah. is not someone who's just not not something which is just going to say fine you want to leave all right no hard feelings going <laughs> it's not going to be it's like not that. like no employee not like, like a normal pay your notice yeah, and give, no, notice, and give your notice and leave not at all that civilized <laughs> these are very manipulative and things can get quite weird with them So you have to be really smart about how you get out of it as well. So a lot of young women when they ask me about where do I go to do yoga, which teacher, I really warn them about all of a lot of these fake gurus and spiritual teachers who are quite self-appointed and self-styled. Not there's no credibility to what they're teaching. They claim that they just channeled it from the ether. You know these unverifiable claims that they make. Mm-hmm. Like here, the claims were that this guy is a Himalayan master, and things you can never verify. And mm-hmm. in his behavior, it, the things are completely the opposite of what they claim. Mm-hmm. So I somehow got out of them. I uh, got out of that cult when I was about twenty-six, and then it, I was really disillusioned with um, teaching yoga in general because working there, I'd been overworked and underpaid for about two years, where. Sometimes I'd be teaching seven, eight classes a day, you know, starting at six a.m. in the morning, and you just do that for if you do that for a long time or even for a short time, it is going to weigh your sense of freedom and thinking for yourself. So for you to get that back and to learn to trust yourself again takes a while. So I went into a, a state of I don't know if it was depression, but it felt like a really dark place. So I went in there for maybe a couple of months. and then i realized that okay i can just leave it behind and start afresh so i thought okay forget about the yoga no more inhale exhale i don't want to make people work out i just want a regular career can i just be a regular person now like just get a job in a corporate setting i'll have a paycheck there'll be a decent boss who's not a psychopath things will be fine so i thought how do i do that well i have a lot of so is that so, one of the things that people who generally want to pursue their passion hmm. is that something that you would recommend to them you know maybe maybe get like a basic education and then oh, yes. you can uh, you know pursue whatever you want oh yes definitely i'm so glad i've completed my law degree some kind of security yeah it's good to have a basic degree to fall back on hmm. not just a degree even financially i would say start saving from a young age you know in any case it's good to be able to take care of yourself so have your plan ready for that you know even if it's very good advice it's very exciting to think of jumping off the cliff and following your dreams but you want to know that when you land you'll be safe right so for that i would always say whether it's education or money or just you know some few good friendships in your life have that anchor have a standby of some sort that's just seems like the sane way to do things so i'm glad i had that law degree and also apart from just how pragmatic it is to have a degree it also for me at least the law degree i think it sharpened my reasoning skills a lot mm. my analytical skills and 
Well, with that, you get this accusation a lot of times that, oh, here comes the lawyer because you're arguing <laughs> with people all the time. But I don't mind that. It's a, it's a good accusation to live with, right? So even when I was working this yoga company slash cult, I was the one arguing with them all the time about their policies, how the weight loss obsession they had or so many other ridiculous things that they were up to. I was the one sticking my neck out, fighting, arguing all the time. So I had this reputation of, okay, she's the lawyer. She's going to be arguing all the time. But that's a good thing to have. I mean, we all need to be assertive and argumentative. Why not? To stand up for ourselves. So it, if not law, any other degree, whatever it is, it will benefit you in some way because it's not going to be a wasted experience if you use that experience. You're listening to the 30th episode of the Passion People podcast. I'd just like to pause for a moment to reflect on what we've heard so far. The, the important moments to emphasize on would be having the clarity of thought in terms of what one likes and what one doesn't, the way Namita did when she went to a law firm and realized that that's not what she wants to do, started painting and figured out that that is not going to be a very lucrative career stream or something that gives her a constant source of income and also having the determination and the confidence to take the plunge regardless of the perception of society or what people may think. It takes a different individual or a different mindset, one where the mind is already made up that this is the path that I'm going to go into. And obstacles are just part of that journey is very important, especially given the wide range of new interests and passions that people have. And only they can see the destination and nobody can. The last and final thing I wanted to focus on is the importance of having a backup before a passion. It is very easy to get moved by people like Bill Gates or Mark Zuckerbergs of the world who have dropped out of college to focus on something that they were pulled so strongly by. But while having a high bar is important, we all may not have that level of talent or luck for that matter. So while it may make us miserable in the short term in completing that engineering or bachelor's degree course or whatever it is that we are studying, having a backup will serve as a very important baseline for us from which we can go and follow our passion from. Back to the conversation. So now you're, you're just out of the yoga company. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, so if one, you want to fall back on your law degree? Yes, I wanted to fall back on my law degree. Now suddenly I wanted that regular job, you know, like just let me be like everyone else now. Enough of all this craziness. So... Yeah, it's somebody, some friend of mine told me that there's a publishing company, they're looking for editors and they're editing legal journals. So it made sense. I thought I'll fit in there with um, my law degree and my love for reading. I thought it's perfect. So I enjoyed it initially quite a bit and I did that for about two years. But at, within these two years, I was also t treating yoga like a side gig because a few months into the desk job, I realized it's nice to be moving around also, not just be at my computer all day. So I figured I could teach yoga in the mornings, early mornings, and then sit at my desk the whole day doing this legal job. And I had people asking me to teach them. So I figured, you know, 
let's have two jobs you know it's a bad enough economy it's great to have two <laughs> jobs back then things were really crazy so i felt really good for myself in that way that i have two streams of income coming in and i can save my money and eventually i can travel mm. you know so travel was like a far off dream i didn't think that i'll start very soon i just thought let's just keep saving the money as much as i can because by now i really felt like i need all the safety net that i can put together so having two jobs gave me a really good sense of security and self assurance so i did that these for a couple of years in my mid 20s juggling these two very different jobs so that's how that went using the law degree and uh, you know w- w- what happens from there so do you do you end up doing the travel oh Did- yes that <laughs> happened of course because um i realized that the yoga as a side gig was doing pretty well so i figured you know there's a chance if i really focus my energies on it it might do really well instead of treating it like a side gig maybe it's smart to treat it like a full time gig mm-hmm. which means i stop doing the legal job and i give give that a good amount of thought i was still feeling really insecure to let go of that steady paycheck from that corporate setting which i guess a lot of our listeners know what that feeling is mm-hmm. you just don't feel like turning in your notice how many ever times you think of quitting your job and somehow finally i took the step of quitting that job because it had started to stress me out i'd started having sleep issues um i was editing things in my dreams it was not pretty it was things had gotten a bit too out of hand there so i figured okay the legal job has started to stress me out and maybe that means i can leave it and just focus on the yoga and i did that i turned in my notice and my boss was really sad that i was leaving i guess you know she still misses me i hope from some people <laughs> Yeah so then right after I had my last day at the job I went into this yoga teacher training course with the Shivananda Ashram and this was in the Himalayas in a village which is really remote called Netala and it's really difficult to reach as well so I landed up there to do this one month 200 hour teacher training course because a friend of mine had done it from another center and she had recommended it she said it was great So I went into that it cost about 25000 rupees back then this was i think 2013 yes so i definitely could afford that after all the money i'd been saving so i went in for that course and the place the course was conducted was so beautiful i just knew from the last day when we were leaving the place and i looked around and i saw all these new friends i've made from all these different countries there's a japanese yoga teacher there's a swiss guy who used to be in some kind of a military setting before and there were girls from canada that i'd met someone else from spain all of us had just become such a close bunch in that one month and so different from all these different walks of life and it really gave me a taste of what travel is that one month gave me a taste of how travel brings you close to people you would never meet otherwise and yeah this was thanks to the yoga and to my decision to go all the way there to do the course so piling up in the suv i look around at all of us getting into the suvs and i remember thinking that i'm glad i really hung in there when i went through that dark depressed phase that things would get this much better eventually 
you know, if you just stayed with the flow of things. So that one month course happened and I realized with that, that okay, the yoga is great, but travel is also going to be a big part of my life. You know, I'm going mm-hmm. to design my life around it somehow. So one of those pivotal moments in your uh, in your journey, like so to speak, right? Because I think mm-hmm. the first one yeah. was when uh, during your law internship, you realized that, you know, right. this is not something not that, me, yes. that, that I want to do. And then the travel is the second thing where you, you kind of, you're, you're finding finding yes. a, a path oh yes it really hit me with a lot of clarity on that trip that you know the traveling is needs to be a big part of my life mm-hmm. you know it may not be something people approve of maybe that's not what my family expects of me maybe i have no idea how i'm going to travel because back then i hadn't even started my blog or anything but i just knew this needs to be in my life somehow i have to prioritize it and make it happen somehow yeah. so as a lot of people go through in their 20s right mm-hmm. you know i remember we were speaking about this the other day as well where you said that uh, you know we we are all often pulled in various directions all at once so yes. how 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 does one kind of navigate not like how do you move forward from from that situation where you know you are interested in like three four five things ah yes Well there are some people who I consider really lucky they have that one passion and they just put their nose in that they stick to it they build their they build their house on top of that basically and it's great for them I cannot tell you how much I envy those people because <laughs> I feel pulled I mean I this has been a lifelong thing for me where I've had multiple interests and you feel all of them pulling you in different directions at the same time and when I was younger of course it was crazier to handle but now at 32 I think I can I can see from a better perspective now how I can bring all my talents together be a much better manager of my talents now than I was before. So also in your 20s you're also dealing with peer pressure. What will people think and is does this look cool? Does this make me look like a weirdo? Will it bring in the paychecks? The peer pressure was doing a really good job with me when I was in my 20s. <laughs> it really was. because you know i make all these paintings and at some point i remember feeling like an absolute weirdo about it like i was telling you i even felt embarrassed about being so creative because nobody else was doing this what's everyone else doing they're doing things they're meant to do at that point what they're supposed to do getting you know, married having getting babies getting married having kids getting the you know six figure five figure paychecks or whatever it is the monthly paychecks with a corporate law firm they doing things that's been expected of them right. so they're ticking off the boxes at the right times and i'm this weirdo who wants to paint all night so <laughs> i really felt like there's something really wrong with me uh-huh. you know so i definitely felt a lot of that and and then even the yoga i mean now it's a very cool profession people are glad to say that a yoga teacher it's a cool thing mm-hmm. but 8 years ago when i was 24 to say that you want to be a yoga teacher was like saying i want to be a drug dealer <laughs> you know the same level of social acceptability so it was really tough convincing my family and i have a photo of one of my friends the way her face changed into this unrecognizable thing when i told her <laughs> and i i kept my phone ready i was enough of her we are going to do that <laughs> i told her you know what i've decided to be a yoga teacher and her face just went into like some weird caricature that was how things were 8 years ago it really was very weird to want to be a yoga teacher but i'm i'm glad i stuck to it cuz it I mean it excited me on some level the idea of sharing the yoga with people because I knew that it had 
helped me hugely. So I knew that, you know, if I can pass this on to other people, then I'm sure it'll be great for others too, because I know from my own experience, it's not a secondhand thing. I know from my own experience that it is really great for you. Of course, it's not all great. It can bring up things from the past. It can be dangerous. It can be a rocky ride at times. But finally, I know that it's a good thing for most people. And it's great to be able to share that. So I'm glad I stuck to it. That's fantastic. Yeah, That's thank fantastic. you. So what happens next? So now you're you've you're just completed your first yoga yoga retreat. So to yoga speak. teacher training actually. The, the teacher's training. Yeah, and then, so now you're you're gonna dive into this full time? Yes. Yes. So what I did then was of course the yoga teacher training was really intense. You had to be up at five AM, you had two bland Satvik meals a day, you know, and you were just studying or practicing the entire day so after one month of that i felt like okay i'm really ready now let's dive into the practice of it and into the teaching of it both so what happened then was i got more and more involved in my own practice because i think that's really important for anyone who wants to be a teacher to have a really good solid practice of their own where they're also sharpening their self-awareness so that when they see when they're trying to guide other people with the yoga, they'll know how to guide them if they've done the practice on themselves first. So I was doing that. And then I randomly heard from a friend of mine who was in my dance class that um, she has an idea for someone if they want to have an interesting few months. She had something like that posted on her WhatsApp status of all things. So I asked her what she's talking about. And she said, yeah, there's a health project in Mauritius. It's called Get Healthy Mauritius. And we're looking for volunteers to teach anything related to health mm-hmm. to kids in schools and orphanages and even general people. Because apparently there was a lot of um, street food related problems going on in Mauritius that time. A lot of people getting diabetic and things like that. So this project looked really cool and exciting. And I jumped right in. I talked to her about the terms of it. And she just said, well, your accommodation, your food, all that gets subsidized. And it will be for six weeks. You'll be living with other volunteers. And this is in Mauritius. So, you know, she kind of had me at Mauritius, actually. (laughs) So, and the fact that financially it made sense was good for me. That, okay, it's not going to be the way you would imagine six weeks in Mauritius to cost you. It would not have cost me that much. So I jumped in very impulsively. Last week of December is when I, ju- I decided to do this. And I think the first week of Jan, I took off to Mauritius. So it was really quick and sudden. So I spent six weeks there. And that was a really fun trip for me, teaching these kids who spoke no English and I speak no French. But <laughs> they had complete enthusiasm. So that made up for the language barrier. You know, like they would copy every little thing that I did. If I adjusted my hair, they all would go and adjust their hair. You know, so I really felt like I have 20 mirrors in front of me. So that I learned a lot teaching these kids that whatever's lacking, you can make up for it with your enthusiasm. You know, so that was a huge lesson I picked up from these kids. And from Mauritius? Yeah, Mauritius was Jan and Feb of 2014. And in March 2015, I find myself in Bali. Suddenly, I'm this person who goes from Mauritius to Bali because Bali had a yoga festival which I had happened to read about somewhere and I had booked my tickets for it five months in advance already. So Bali had been planned even before Mauritius had been planned. Mm -hmm. Right. So the Mauritius plan just got squeezed in at the last minute very impulsively. So 
yeah so you know it definitely made the beginning of that year look very good to me you know right. you spend the first two months in mauritius and the third month in bali you can't really complain about anything in your life if that's happening <laughs> so yeah so i really enjoyed it i mean at least in the mauritius trip there were glitches organizationally we had a little trouble with accommodation and all of that the way volunteer organizations can be a lot of times right, right. but that was still okay with me because you know i have a bali trip next month so i was super excited that <laughs> suddenly yeah suddenly i'm this person who's traveling this much and just maybe some months ago i was this person in a dead end legal job feeling really bored out of my mind in meetings so it felt amazing that okay life can turn around so much if you just decide things differently right you know so i was really excited so the bali thing was because the festival is for 5 days but the visa is for 30 days so obviously i had to stay for 30 days <laughs> you know so i land there get my visa on arrival and i'd already decided that since the just for 30 days it's going to be a one month trip because i don't know when i'll come to indonesia again so i stayed there for a month i really enjoyed that trip got exposed to a lot of different yoga teachers at the festival different ways of teaching yoga there's a lot of music and dance and creativity there as well in fact i'm going to that festival again this year oh cool and this time i'm going as a volunteer i got accepted as a volunteer mm. you need to apply a few months in advance to do that and once you're a volunteer you don't pay that entry fee Mm-hmm. I think the entry fee is about five hundred dollars or something, which back then I had paid and gone because I didn't know about this volunteering option. And there I'd met people who said they're volunteers, and I said, "Okay, what does that involve? Is it a lot of work?" I remember one of the guys telling me, "No, it's just a lot of socializing." You know, and I felt like, "Hey, <laughs> I can do that. Yeah, you know, give me that." So this year I was really alert about when to apply as a volunteer, and I did that. And you know, I just got the emails about a couple of weeks ago saying, "I'm in." So it's really cool to be getting to be a part of that festival again. And of course again I'm going to stay for a month. Nice. So that's a trip I'm really looking forward to. So uh, is that is that around the time uh, when the blog happened as well after your uh, Bali ah, trip? Oh yes. Oh yes, the blog I started right after the Bali trip. So I had 10 weeks of travel behind me including Mauritius 6 weeks and Bali 4 weeks. So I had so many stories, I had all these notes scrawled in my book and i knew that if i start talking about this people's ears are going to fall off so i figured let's start a blog it's a more civilized way to channel that energy so i started the blog and i just thought okay you know because i'm excited to share these stories that's why i'm starting the blog i didn't started thinking you know let's make money or let's get sponsored trips out of this i didn't even know you could do that i just started because i wanted to write i wanted to share my experiences so it started purely because i was excited about writing okay yes so i started the blog and that was fun kept writing one blog post after another sometimes i wrote for other people's really popular blogs so that got me a bigger audience and i even took part in a travel contest and that got me a trip to south america okay. so at this point a lot of people are going to get really jealous cuz i got a free trip <laughs> including us including yeah. you well okay then deal with it <laughs> but you know i'd be jealous of me too i don't blame you so yeah i got a free trip to south america all the way from bombay to bolivia so that was fun of course the three, i think that how, was how about 3 weeks how did that happen it was a travel contest by cox and kings called grab your dream and this happened i think sometime in may so april i come back to back to bombay from bali start my blog 
And then may I see this advertisement on YouTube saying they're looking for travel adventurers. No, adventure travelers, sorry. Uh And I had a photo of me in Mauritius where I'm jumping off a waterfall. Okay, so that just happened. (laughs) You know, I'm there to volunteer and help kids. And somehow at some point I'm jumping off a waterfall because one thing leads to another. So... But it actually, you know, that, that place in Mauritius, it's called Rochester Falls. If you go there, it's the most normal thing to do there, uh-huh. to jump off that 35 feet cliff. It's, it's something everybody who goes there does. You'll see people of all shapes and sizes and ages doing that. So it looks crazy in the photo, but when I was there, I was literally following the herd <laughs> by jumping off like that. So and someone, someone else in the team, I think it was a Chinese guy or I don't know who it was. I still don't know who it was. They randomly took a photo where I'm midair. So I sent in that photo to this contest because, and you know, sold. <laughs> I think that and also you needed to have an online presence. And uh-huh. luckily I had a blog. They were looking for someone who has a blog or at least something on social media where they're actively sharing about their travels. And for me, I had these two things going on. I sent that in and then they said there was another catch. They said people have to vote. For you, now you're among the selected people. Um, we'll see who, we'll see how many votes you get. Now, I was still kind of shy, introverted. So I did not do that. I did not ask anyone for votes. So I had zero votes, literally. And I still happened to make it. Whoa. Yeah. So, well, I don't know. Congratulations. Yeah. Somehow that worked out. So they had these interview rounds and they narrowed it down from 50 finalists to 12. And a really nice bunch of 12 people. A lot of them I'm still in touch with. I think some of them you might interview as well. Mm-hmm. So really inspiring people. So it was good to have won that contest and get a trip all the way to Bolivia because then it was like, okay, this thing is really getting out of control now. <laughs> you know, one thing is really leading to another. Suddenly I'm in Bolivia and I, I hadn't even seen snow in my life until then. I was 28. I'd never seen snow up front. I'd seen it from a distance. Uh-huh. And there, I remember in Bolivia, I was at the world's highest uh, ski resort and it's just completely white. It's covered in snow. And I've gone there in my khaki pants <laughs> because I have no idea that, oh, snow works like this. I had right. just, I just hadn't done the math. You know, I just lighted up there in my khaki pants and I'm climbing the mountain. I have a Snickers with me to give me some energy. And I remember at some point I sat down, I told the fellow travelers that you guys continue the climb. I think I'll just sit here and chill. I'm not exactly prepared for this. So I sat there and I remember a few moments, I'm just completely alone. And I realized, oh my God, I'm really alone. Like if I shout, nobody can hear me right now. You know, the driver, the guy who drove us up here, he's way far away. I can see his feet up on the windshield because he's sleeping. And the other people have disappeared. All I have is a Snickers bar to save me. And the altitude is starting to get to me. It is high altitude. It's the world's highest sea resort. And you know, yeah, khaki pads, thanks to my brains. So I remember at that moment thinking, what have I gotten myself into, man? Like, do I even know what I'm doing? It was another one of my existential crises there. You know, after one of the really boring meetings I had in the legal job, where I had my existential crisis at 25, I think I was. This was at 28, where again, I had one of those moments where I'm just like questioning everything about myself. But now when I look back, I realize that's the adventure, you know, it's not an adventure unless you're miserable at some point. <laughs> you know, somebody said that it really makes sense to me, you know, so I've had a lot of 
times when I've been miserable while traveling, mm. but that's the beauty of it. You know, there are so many highs you get from traveling, so you take the lows in your stride. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So, uh, where all did you go after that? Uh, oh, so, okay. so now you're you're just blogging about your trips, or uh, does that include uh, your uh, your yoga as well? Uh, does it get mixed in somewhere? Eventually, I started blogging about the yoga as well. You know, I kept it mainly travel centric for quite some time. So, Bolivia happens, and I um, I was in Bombay. I was living alone, trying to just you know pay the rent somehow. So, I was just completely focused on the yoga that I have to teach as many classes I can and make this yoga thing work. So, I kept doing that, and eventually, I got really stressed out in Bombay because it just felt like you know this place is too crowded for mm-hmm. me. I guess it just didn't suit me after a point. So then I moved to Bangalore where mom was and she was alone in Bangalore and she was really happy that, you know, I'm back with her. So it was good to be back with her in Bangalore and there in Bangalore I realized that, okay, I can take things a little more, a little less stressed out and a little more chilled out. I can just slow down a little bit because sometimes if you're just rushing so madly, you don't see what's really obvious. And what's important. You don't see what's important. You're just in a mad rush. So there's no point if you're rushing and you don't know where you're going. You know, you might as well just stop and look at where you're going. So Bangalore gave me that space where I just stopped and thought, wait, let's really think about why I'm rushing like this. Then I said, okay, I love writing and I do love the yoga and have a lot of things to say about it. So let's start writing about the yoga on the blog. So I started writing these yoga articles. They were really well received a lot of them a lot of them got shared a lot of times i got emails from people saying they really enjoyed reading so i saw that okay this you know makes sense since i have so much to say on the yoga front as well let's keep writing about the yoga as well not only about the travel and yeah so the yoga side of my blog i decided to focus on that a little more because a lot of people have so many misconceptions about yoga Especially Indians. I think Indians have the most misconceptions about it. That's really it. surprising. It is, right? Like a lot of Indians I've spoken to, like whether they're my age people or older people, about what they think yoga is. And they're like, oh, that's just breathing, right? Or it's just stretching, right? Well, there's a little more to it than that. So I like to go into that on my blog. And at the same time, I want to demystify it. Either they think that it's something that they know like the back of the hand, or people tend to think that it's something too esoteric that only some sage in a cave will understand. So I like to bring it to some place in between. Mm-hmm. That it is scientific. There are these things you can study about it. There's so much we study in a yoga teacher training. There's so much anatomy, physiology, all of that that we study. It's really interesting. And at the same time, it's not something only for sages in caves. You know, you can also make it relatable to regular people. So that's something I try to do in my blog with the Fantastic. yoga. Yeah, thanks. Fantastic. It's really amazing how, <laughs> you know, how you've navigated through all, yeah, all of these. I have no uh, idea sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I really wonder how I'm finding my way through so many different directions pulling me, mm-hmm. you know. But I guess one has to find a common thread somewhere. I think one of those threads for me has been that I like, I love learning. Okay. So that has definitely been a common thread. So because if you love learning, that's going to help you hugely. You know, if you always have the humility to see yourself as a student, then you'll always have your excitement, your sincerity, your dedication. These are things that someone who loves learning will have, you know, Absolutely. so and they are really good for you to stay on track and to just 
keep enjoying what you're doing right but i think also there is uh, there is also uh, i also see a person with a lot of individuality with a lot of confidence and with a lot of sense of purpose if you want mm. if if i can okay. put it that way right who you who said no, i'm not going to stay in this cult anymore i'm mm. not going to i'm not going to pursue law even though that is something that's expected of right, me yeah. i'm not going to do things that the norm or the society expects me to do mm. so what does it what does it take to develop that kind of a perseverance or that kind of a confidence if if you can share some thoughts around that well i think it's there in everyone i don't think it needs to be developed from nothing it's there in everyone we all have that streak in us i think if you look at a toddler you try to snatch a toy from them you see the way they start crying so it's there inbuilt in all of us to rebel and do what we want to do because we know that we have a right to live our lives the way we want to live it because it's your one precious life right so i think fundamentally we all have that sense of wanting to do what we want to do with our lives now you just need to keep practicing practicing the assertion of that you know you'll have a lot of forces on the outside saying no that's not what you should want like i've had people telling me that i should want to have kids by a certain age it's ridiculous like how can you tell someone else what they should want right so it's something for you to put your foot down every time and it gets it's like putting more coins in the piggy bank so it's for you to keep putting more coins in that piggy bank where you start becoming more and more assertive and more and more clear for yourself that this is my thing you do you i'll do me you know we'll all be happy we'll all be happy yeah i live in let live so i definitely believe in giving yourself the space to be what you want to be and do what you want to do with your life that's amazing yeah thank you that's amazing that's really great advice we also spoke about uh, you know things that people have a misconception a misconception about when they're in their uh, 20s more oh, right you know yes. and uh, any thoughts on you know what what people mm-hmm. in their 20s should generally focus on given that oh, yes. you know most of the audience of the podcast are like people in their 20s oh right that's yeah i was just thinking of that the 20s the peer pressure and the perfectionism these are two things which loom so large on you in that age and somehow in the 20s you're expected to hit your peak you know like reach the top of your bell curve in your 20s which is ridiculous if you think of it it's just your 20s you things have only begun now so i think the pressure needs to be taken off people in their 20s this is not the time for you to become the ceo or summit every mountain this is the time for you to experiment research make mistakes fall on your face get back up burn the lab down if you need to you know because you're the mad scientist it's in the contract so do it as long as you get out alive and everything's fine as in you're not grievously hurt and nobody is grievously hurt then you did good so i try to tell people who i have some friends who are in their 20s and i tell them that a lot of times don't look for perfection and you know achievement and all this goal setting more than anything else right now just remember that 20s are the time for you to experiment and research and the more you the wilder your research the more resources you'll have for a richer life later on because if i hadn't traveled and made so many mistakes and done so many crazy different things imagine joining a cult at 24 come on i mean that definitely brought home a lot of lessons for me i don't recommend doing that but i'm just giving that as an example that yes you'll make mistakes in your 20s mm-hmm. so give yourself the space to make the mistakes as long as you know that you can get yourself out without getting killed there or getting grievously hurt you're fine so give yourself permission to make mistakes don't beat yourself up because the life lessons you'll get from those they will be an amazing resource for you later right so right now i'm really clear about the life i want to live because 
I did so many mistakes in my 20s, right? And not just my own mistakes, I saw other people also doing them. It's really smart to learn from other people's mistakes, they say. So I hope everyone listening is learning from my mistakes. You know, Great. You know, so I'm always looking to learn from other people's mistakes. So look at mistakes somehow get a very bad reputation, but I think they're a huge resource. You learn a lot from the way you learn from a mistake. You don't learn from anything else. Absolutely. So for the 20s are for messing it up, basically. So go ahead, <laughs> mess it up as long as you know, you can take care of yourself and you can get out alive and nobody gets killed. Then it's then it's fine. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, would uh, you know, for people who want to make potentially make mistakes, or the ones who've already made them, <laughs> but, uh, can they like reach out to you, send you an email, or yes, reach out to sure. you on Facebook? Yes, uh, sure. I'd love to hear from the listeners. My email is really simple. It's namitayoga at gmail dot com, and my Facebook page is my blog's Facebook. Radically Ever After is my blog. So, okay. if you look up Radically Ever After on Facebook, you'll find me there. I'll also share the links on the oh great yeah that'd Facebook, be nice uh, on the podcast notes great okay Fantastic. sounds great you know before we wrap up uh, you mm-hmm. know uh, how do you feel about being featured on the podcast and talking about your journey and your passion I'm really honored to be featured on this podcast since I know that you look for people who are passionate who've turned their passion into the way they live you know it's yeah. really good to be on a podcast like this and I remember. I've listened to so many podcasts and I've gathered so much inspiration from them. That's one of the things I love doing even today. Mm-hmm. You know, even when I'm painting, I'll have a podcast in the background playing. Okay. So I think it's great that podcasts are picking up in India. You know, especially the kind of commute times our cities have. <laughs> I think everyone should be listening to you. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Agreed. Thank you. Thank you, Nubida. Thank you so much for making time for this uh, for the podcast, and it's it's been a pleasure talking to you. Well, great talking to you as well. You're most welcome. And yes, hoping to listen, hoping hoping to hear from the listeners as well. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation as much as we did talking to Namita and reflecting on what we had spoken about. A couple of big things for me that uh, that were takeaways that I wanted to emphasize on. One is having the audacity to think that. I am not going to study about what someone else has done. I'm going to do something that someone else is going to read about, and actually following it through with action, thought, and purpose. For me, that shows tremendous strength, tremendous strength, and clarity or stubbornness of thought, which is extremely important. The second thing I'd like to focus on is that having a backup. financially or educationally will have a far reaching impact in no matter what you do because you always have something you can go back to and you don't become desperate with any particular attempt that you make giving you the leverage to negotiate and make decisions from a position of strength rather than a position of weakness and obviously constantly making sure that you're getting better you're moving forward and you're able to you're able to distill and put together all of your various talents the way namita has so beautifully done with her yoga her travel her writing as well as her painting whether we are as multi talented as her or not there are a lot of these aspects from her story that we would do really well to inculcate i have a small favor to ask our listeners Please spare some time to leave a review of the podcast 
in whichever platform you're listening to, as your feedback is going to go a long way in making the show accessible to more people and also in making it better. Thanks again.